To stay on top in business, stay on top of your technology with the new Business Desk podcast, the business of tech. Listen on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. We have all seen the stories of the broken, abused babies and children from this country, the Nia Glassies, the Kahui twins, Hale Sage McClutchy, Salil Aplin, Olympia Jetson. There's way too many of them. More than 60 children in the past few, or several years, who have been horribly abused and killed by the people who should have been protecting them. The roll call of dead children in this country is a long one and it makes for harrowing reading. The abuse that these babies, these children, these preteens suffered is utterly appalling. But whenever, the, whenever these stories are told in the media, I always wonder what happens to the siblings. They have brothers and sisters under the same roof. What happens to the survivors of this horrific abuse? What happens next to them? It would appear that for many of them, they go on to perpetuate the cycle of abuse. Probably won't surprise you to learn they don't lead full and rich lives full of potential and promise that is fulfilled. It's not a given but it takes a monumental effort to move away from the environment you've grown up you've grown up in and that is something that's acknowledged by our courts two key players in a mongrel mob methring have had significant reductions in their sentences for in part the horrific circumstances of their childhood the trauma of which a judge said led to their gang affiliations and criminal offending later in life now the circumstances of this particular case because you've got gang members who are getting reduced prison time because they suffered trauma, you know, that is going to trigger reaction. But this is something the courts have been doing for years. The ability to take into account mitigating factors is something that courts have long been able to do. As the president of the Criminal Bar Association, Fiona Guy Kidd, King's Counsel, told the Mike Hosking breakfast this morning. The court must take into account the offender's personal, family, whānau, community and cultural background in imposing a sentence which has a partly or wholly rehabilitative purpose. So it looks at a myriad of things. It might be your childhood deprivation, a background of sexual or physical abuse, mental illness, rehabilitation, ill health, um, your children, your family set up. The whole purpose of sentencing is assessing the gravity of the offending and assessing the culpability or the moral blameworthiness of that particular offender's offence and what they've done. And as we all know, our adverse childhood experiences affect us and form us, and so they often either contribute to the person you've become and the offence you commit, or there are reasons to be compassionate about that. What we've learned from things like the Royal Commission into Abuse and Care is that abuse, neglect that you've suffered as a child affects you, affects your life, your cognitive abilities. It's, it's actually amazing the extent. And that's why we have organisations like the First Thousand Days, because of how important those early days are. And they are. I mean, you, so many of the defendants who appear in criminal cases have had traumatic brain injuries caused by abuse. They haven't recovered from them. They're sent back to environments where they're not given the opportunity to rest, recover and rehabilitate. Many of them 
have no family structure at all, hence the attraction of the gangs, where there is at least somebody who purports to care about you, although that would only be for as long as it was convenient, I imagine. You are functionally illiterate. You've seen the stats of how many people are in prison who cannot read, write, or do basic sums. And generally, there's drug and alcohol abuse, if not in utero, then very early on in life. Does that mean you should be given a leave pass for your feeling? No, absolutely not. And I can totally understand that people don't want to see crims get away scot-free. We were talking about that on Friday. You know, where you had the rapist getting home detention and a killer, a drink-driving killer getting home detention. At least these mongrel mob meth cooks were given a prison term, were given a prison sentence. It was just not for as long as it could have been. Surely a child who has been horribly abused, who is functionally illiterate, who has no family, surely they have fewer options than most of us who were raised in loving families, given the basic necessities of life, food, shelter, protection, love. Surely we have sympathy for the child who isn't given the basics. Even that sort of benign neglect of a child where you don't talk to them. Look at the the orphans in Romania and Russia who were kept chained in, in cots. Their brains simply did not grow. That empathy, that that compassion didn't grow because they didn't receive any. And, it, and it's, it's a fact. It's a fact of developmental growth. If you don't get what you need, you won't grow up as you should. So all the dead babies have siblings. And those siblings have grown up into adults. We had sympathy for the child. Where does that sympathy go when the child becomes an adult? If you enjoyed this podcast, you will love our New Zealand Herald podcast, The Little Things, hosted by me, Francesca Rudkin, and my good friend, Louise Airy. We focus on all the little things that you can do to make a positive impact on your life and to cut through the confusion from the health and wellness industry. Join us every Saturday to hear from the experts for all the tips and advice you need. Just search The Little Things on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.